and welcome to George's Poetry Workshop. I hope you've had a wonderful week and got lots of writing done. I have been writing quite a lot about allergies at the moment. I am suffering. <laughs> I don't know if anyone, any of uh, you other listeners are um, struggling, but the pollen count is very high in the UK at the moment. And uh, you might, I don't know if you can hear it in my chest, but it's uh i've been i've been attacked by the plants which just feels really ridiculous doesn't it that human beings are uh unable to cope with pollen um <laughs> when we also need plants to survive so it feels uh very uh ironic it's almost like a uh friend that you hang out with a lot and then you're like oh we've we've spent too much time together i'm gonna have to go indoors and you know um, spend a little time apart and then realise that you've missed them a lot and have to crawl back out again <laughs> after a week or so. So, <clears throat> yeah, if I'm sort of coughing and spluttering at any point, I do apologise. So all of this pollen got me thinking about the natural world and we as poets, you know, we love a bit of talking about the natural world. So I thought it was a really good opportunity. Um... I had in mind first trees, but you can't really do a podcast about trees without reading The White Goddess. So, and I have attempted that, I have to say. Uh, Book Braves gave me a bit of a challenge, so <laughs> I will, I am going back to it. We will do a podcast on trees. We will talk about The White Goddess, but I do need a little bit more time to to get into it. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come back to that for sure. Uh, so I started thinking a little bit instead about birds. This morning I was looking at my shelf thinking, oh, you know, is there a poem about birds that I can share? And I thought last night, oh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, I could, I could talk about, but I'm not in a very gothic mood. <laughs> and then I... I sort of was drawn to Rilke, the Austrian poet. And I really like his work because, well, it's beautiful. Also because I really um, enjoy the German language. And for a number of reasons, I loved learning it at school. Uh, got my GCSE in German. <laughs> and shortly uh, shortly before... Um, buying this edition, this translation, I had been to Vienna and I gave some directions in German and suddenly my GCSE German had just flown out and and I had no clue that it was still sort of trapped inside. And so I thought, oh yeah, I really want to buy a bilingual edition. And so I did. So um, I I bought this translation by David Young of the Duino Elegies. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And yeah, I I I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And I think as well, uh, German I find quite inspires me um, because of the English languages connection to to the germanic so the the way that old english is has was created that came from 
was built from um, Germanic tribes that came to England in the around the 5th century and 6th centuries. And you might know the Angles, the Saxons and the Jutes. Um, they were three of those tribes. And so German and G- Germanic uh, language and pronunciation is very much part of part of English history. And I also love it because I went on the German exchange at school and smoked shisha under a bridge for the first time. So that was my experience in year nine. Um, so I very much came of age in Germany. <laughs> um, so yeah, lots of lots of uh, uh, personal links to this, and um, yeah, just I, I just love the sounds too. And people say that it's quite harsh um, sounding. I find it quite. So, like there's a kind of comfort in it. there's a kind of it kind of fills the chest I find that quite um there's a depth to to the sound and I just really love it so I'm going to read a section of Young's introduction and then read the first elegy so I hope you enjoy it so here's the introduction We have a marvellous, almost legendary image of the circumstances in which the composition of this great poem began. Rilke was staying at a castle, Duino, on the sea near Trieste. One morning he walked out on the battlements and climbed down to where the rocks dropped sharply to the sea. If such a scene makes us think of Hamlet, about to encounter a ghost or begin a soliloquy, What follows may remind us even more of Lear, whose mind was brought to an extraordinary clarity at the brink of derangement, posing questions about human existence. Is man no more than this? Consider him well, while exposed to the elements. From out of the wind, which was blowing with great force, Rilke seemed to hear a voice. Wer, wenn ich schrie, Hörte mich denn aus der Engel Ordnungen? If I cried out, who would hear me up there among the angelic orders? He wrote these words, the opening of the first Duino elegy, in his notebook, then went inside to continue what was to be his major work and one of the literary masterpieces of this century. The story has much to tell us about poetic composition a heightened awareness in which a voice that is and is not the poet's begins to speak, almost as if a dramatic character were reciting a part, speaking both for himself and for all of us, as Hamlet and Lear seem to. No wonder the voice of elegies varies its pronoun so often, sometimes speaking for Rilke, sometimes to him, and, more often than not, speaking with mysterious force and urgency for and to each of us, we who are human, intrigued yet bewildered by our existence. We cannot read this great poem until we realise that it speaks in a voice at once deeply personal and piercingly impersonal. Rilke's voice, Leah's voice, the voice of the wind, my voice, your voice too. To have taken the individual self communing with itself in profound and frightening isolation, and to have made its solitary voice the every voice, 
that seems to respond from within us as we read the poem was a remarkable achievement. In a sense, it reflects the aim of every lyric poem, but the peculiar tension between oneself, isolated, and all selves, made by one isolation, made one by isolation, that vibrates in the voice of this poem, makes it especially dramatic. And even so, Rilke's achievement in the elegies is still not fully grasped. Like the cathedrals that intrigued him, this poem has stood completed in our midst for some time now, but its clarity of outline and abundance of detail, its intimacy and majesty, are still coming into focus. For Rilke, after that moment in the wind, it was not simply a matter of writing it down. The poem he began that day in 1912, he was to work on for ten years as an act of great artistic patience and restraint. And if the completion was troublesome, coming near the end of Rilke's life, we must also consider the effort that led up to that first outburst. Rilke had not mastered his life or his art with anything like ease. Born in Prague in 1875, he found his poetic vocation after a difficult childhood and then devoted himself to it with a dedication that cut him off from other people. Despite marriage and many friendships, he was essentially solitary, needing isolation in order to journey deeply into himself, where terror, exhilaration and further solitude lay in wait. He forged his style slowly and with difficulty, out of 19th century romanticism and the more contemporary movements of expressionism and symbolism. He pressed language and imagination for precision and an, an intensity that other poets still marvel at. I'm going to read one additional section here. A student once, uh, once asked me what the Duino elegies were about and before I had time to begin explaining how impossible the question was, I had already replied, they are about what it really means to be human. I still like my thoughtless answer. The poem, or poems, it is both one and ten, resists paraphrase or identification, but that it addresses itself to what we call the human condition, with considerable, for considerable force and honesty, with, where there can be no doubt. It speaks to the distinctive and often crippling effects of our self-awareness, to the alienation from others and from ourselves that we suffer in varying degrees. It touches on children and parents, on love and lovers, on heroes and heroism, art and artists. Though through its concern with this last group, it deals with our attempts to use our self-consciousness to some advantage, to transcend, through art and the imagination, our self-deception and our fear. So I'm now going to read from the first elegy. If I cried out, who would hear me up there among the angelic orders? And suppose one suddenly took me to his heart, I would shrivel. I couldn't survive next to his greater existence. Beauty is only the first touch of terror we can still bear, and it awes us so much because it so coolly disdains to destroy us. Every single angel is terrible. And since that's the case, 
I choke back my own dark bird call, my sobbing. Oh, who can we turn to in this need? Not angels, not people. And the cunning animals realise at once that we aren't especially at home in the deciphered world what's left. Maybe some tree on a hillside, one that you'd see every day and the perverse loyalty of some habit that pleased us and then moved in for good. Oh, and the night, the night, when the wind full of outer space gnaws at our lifted faces, she'd wait for anyone, that much-desired, mildly disappointing lady whom the lone heart has to encounter with so much effort. Is it easier for lovers? Ah, they only manage by being together to conceal each other's fate. You still don't know? Throw armfuls of emptiness out to the spaces that we breathe. Maybe the birds will sense the expanded air flying more fervently. Sure, spring depended on you. Many stars lined up, hoping you'd notice. A wave rose toward you out of the past, or a violin offered itself as you passed an open window. These were instructions, your mission. But could you perform it? Weren't you always distracted, waiting for something, as if all this was announcing a lover's arrival. Where could you keep her, as as long as those huge strange thoughts are coming and going and staying the night? But sing, when you must, of great lovers. Their fame has a long way to go before it is really immortal. Those you almost envied, the unrequited, whom you found more loving then the gratified, the content, begin again and again the praise you can never fully express. Think of it, the hero survives. Even his ruin is only another excuse to continue a final birth. But nature, exhausted, takes lovers back to into herself, as if she couldn't accomplish that kind of vitality twice. Have you thought of Gaspara Stamper hard enough? Dwelt on her so that a girl whose lover has disappeared can feel from that tremendous example of love make me like her? Shouldn't these ancient sufferings of ours finally start to bear fruit? Isn't it time that in love we freed ourselves from the loved one and, trembling, endured as the arrow endures the string, collecting itself to be more than itself as it shoots. So there is no remaining, no place to stay. Voices, voices. Listen, my heart, as only the saints have listened for a gigantic call to lift them right off the ground, but they go on kneeling, impossible beings taking no notice. That's how completely they listened. Not that you could bear hearing God's voice, oh no. But listen to that soft blowing, that endless report that grows out of silence. It rustles toward you from those who died young. When you went into churches in Naples and Rome, didn't their fates touch you gently? 
or else an inscription stirred you deeply, like that tablet in Santa Maria Formosa not long ago. What do they want of me? I must softly erase my own slight sense of injustice, for it sometimes slows down their spirit's pure movements. Of course it is odd to live no more on the earth, to abandon customs you've just begun to get used to, not to give meaning to roses and other such promising things in terms of a human future, to be held no more by hands that can never relax for fear they will drop you, and even to put your name to one side like a broken toy. Strange to wish wishes so no longer. Strange to see things that seem to belong together, floating in every direction. It's very hard to be dead, and you try to make up for lost time, till slowly you start to get whiffs of eternity. But the living are wrong in the sharp distinctions they make. Angels, it seems, don't always know if they're moving among the living or the dead. The drift of eternity drags all the ages of man through both of those spheres, and its sound rises over them both. Those who have died young finally need us no longer. You can be weaned from things of this world as gently as a child outgrows its mother's breast. But we who have need of those huge mysteries, we who can sometimes draw up from wellsprings of sadness, rejoicing and progress, how could we exist without them? It is the old tale pointless that tells how music began in the midst of the morning for Linos, piercing the arid numbness and in that stunned space, where an almost godlike youth had suddenly stopped existing, made emptiness vibrate in ways that thrill us, comfort us, help us now. So I'm going to leave leave that there, I think. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to kind of uh, move into the new headspace after reading that elegy. Um, so yeah, if you need a moment, please uh, feel free to pause the podcast before our free writing. So if you're ready, we will move on to free writing. And again, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Free writing is when you pause the podcast to take between five and seven minutes to write anything down that you need to, to empty your mind of the day, uh, any stresses or concerns or worries, which will then allow you to write freely um, when it comes to our final prompt. I also give a prompt for free writing, which you, you don't have to use, you can. And today's prompt is birdcage, birdcage. So if you'd like to use Birdcage, please do. Uh, but if you'd just like to use this time to diarise, to, to write anything you need to, then also that's completely fine. One thing to note as well is while you're free writing, try not to stop writing. So even if you can't come up with something to write, you just write, I can't think of anything or 
repeat one word over and over again. But just keep your hand moving. So I'm going to shake my little uh, shaker here. And when you hear that, feel free to pause the podcast and then come back for the final prompt. Welcome back for the final prompt, if you did have that break. If not, you can have a go later on, or maybe you're really already ready and you want to get on with with a with the writing task today. So I always take this opportunity to say that if you are enjoying the podcasts, if you're finding them useful, if you're inspired, then please consider donating the equivalent of a cup of coffee uh, once a month to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash George's Poetry Workshop. It enables me to continue making the podcast, making art, to give a workshop to those who might otherwise be unable to afford one. Thank you very, very much to those donating and thank you to everyone for listening. So let's move on to the final prompt and through being inspired by Rilke, we are thinking about meditative poems. So asking questions about something, exploring something in detail. So there might be an idea that you've been thinking about for a while, maybe some some inner conflict or a topic that you would like to consider a little bit further and sort of debate with yourself on it, where Rilke kind of questions aspects of life. You might think about something within society that inspires you. Recently, for instance, I wrote a poem about how the the way that flat blocks are created separates us from one another it, it it isolates people and question i question whether that's the best thing for community so if there's something in on your mind that you are thinking yeah actually why does this happen in the world or why does why is the education system a certain way or there's something in this book that made me think differently about my perspectives maybe I can explore that it's all about meditating on that thought that idea and and creating a poem from it to help you a little bit further you might like to start by posing a question which is what Rilke does he says, if I cried out, who would hear me up there among the angelic orders? So perhaps there's a question that could be posed that will help you to, and you can sort of answer it or or not have a resolution at all, just explore ideas around the question, ask more questions, be curious about the topic that you pick and investigate it artistically so I I think it's quite an exciting uh exciting thing to try and if you'd like to share your poem with me or poems or series that you create from this please do you can find me on my patreon or on twitter or instagram at gc the writer 
Thank you very, very much for listening. And thank you to Portamento for creating the music for this podcast. He'll be playing at El Dorado Festival. He didn't ask me to plug that, but I'm plugging it because I want to say. Uh, so El Dorado Festival will be playing. I think it's like Saturday uh, night. So look out for him if you are going. And otherwise I will see you next week. <laughs>